Radio Mano Papachango. Chris here. It's almost the holidays. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, and if you don't celebrate, happy quiet time period when nobody's bothering you because they're off doing that thing that the culture dictates. And you've checked out, and you're just hanging out on your own, and it's like the world stopped. Happy that to you. I remember doing that. Maybe it was the first time I did it. I was in college. And my buddy Eric, who was the head of the English department, he was going somewhere for the holidays and um, he said I could stay at his place. I decided not to go home for the first time and I just chilled in his apartment and all by myself, my little 19-year-old self or whatever I was, and um, I listened to Mahler's First Symphony over and over and over on his record player he had a really good sound system and he loved Gustav Mahler and had introduced me to Mahler and um yeah I just listened to it over and over for about a week Eric had three gerbils he called them the Supremes because he felt that they shouldn't have individual names because they were a social species and therefore he gave them a group name And one of them died. I don't know how it died, but when I found it, it was partially chewed by the other two. And I don't know why, but I I thought Eric would want to to be there for the the cremation or the the whatever, the sort of ritualistic disposal of this Supreme's body. And uh, so, you know, Supremes as in Diana Ross and the Supremes, by the way, those of you who are not into Motown, who may not have gotten that reference. Those of you who are super into Motown will understand why we decided that in retrospect, that must have been Flo. I think Flo was the Supreme who was kicked out of the band early on or something. Anyway, I took the gerbil and I wrapped it in tissue paper, I think, sort of a holy shroud, a burial shroud, and I put it in the freezer on top of half a gallon of Breyer's butter pecan ice cream that was in there, and I forgot about it, and... I I left before Eric got home and I forgot to tell him about it and he opened the freezer and saw something wrapped and took it out and ah it was a dead gerbil. Anyway, yeah, there was a stream running by his place. He just kept the gerbil in the freezer till spring. And then we built a little Viking barge and put the gerbil's body on the barge and lit it on fire and pushed it out into the stream. It's very moving. Eric never did anything that wasn't ironic. Irony was involved in pretty much everything he did in those days. 
So that was fitting. Anyway, why the fuck am I talking about? Uh, Jesus, I don't even know where that came from. Oh, that all came from if you don't celebrate Christmas, who knows what will happen? Anyway, this is a podcast I'm just throwing up real quickly, real fresh from the oven. I recorded this this morning with the great, the one and only, the amazing Jake Johansson, who is one of my best buddies. I love this guy. I've He's one of the reasons I don't badmouth L.A. anymore because people like him live here and being here enables me to spend time with him and after this podcast we went and had lunch with uh, Simon Rex and Mickey Avalon and had some great Mexican food and fuck I love LA in that respect but then I came home from Venice to Topanga which is normally a 20 minute drive at three o'clock in the afternoon but there's work going on on the canyon road so i sat in traffic for about an hour and a half those of you who follow me on instagram saw me dancing wildly to the red hot chili peppers on one of my instagram stories that was when i was sitting in traffic don't worry i wasn't driving at the time the car was not moving i uh, am very careful about what music i listen to when the car is moving all right what else do i have to say to you very briefly Uh, If you follow me on Patreon or if you contribute to this podcast on Patreon, you already know this because I reached out to my Patreon um, supporters to run this idea by them. I'm thinking very seriously about um, accepting a very sort of limited, specific sponsorship situation with companies that provide things that I already use. So in other words, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to sell ads on the podcast to the highest bidder. It's more like this is stuff I dig. This is stuff I give to my friends as gifts, or I tell my friends, hey, you should really check this thing out. I do that anyway on the podcast sometime. Like I talked about the Norelco One Blade, which I use and is fucking great. And I don't think I'll ever shave my face again. Um, I don't get any money from them, but why not? Right. If I actually like it and I want to share it with you um, and Norelco wants to pay me some money to do that, why not? The Patreon support for the podcast is fantastic, but it's plateaued. And if I'm going to continue to do this and make this a higher priority in my life, I need to find ways to monetize it and make it pay for the additional time I'm putting into it. Um so I'm seriously considering that. The response on Patreon has been probably 95%. Fuck it, dude. Do what you need to do. Just keep doing the podcast, which is, you know, fantastic feedback to get from people. Um, one thing people have said is please don't embed it in the middle of the podcast. Put it at the beginning or the end so that I can just fast forward through it. I will definitely do that. Um And uh, also not just like a straight up read, you know, trying to make it creative or funny or whatever, which also I will do because that's more fun for me. So I'm thinking about that. I'm also thinking maybe I'll hire someone to handle that process. So if you are um, sort of Internet savvy, I'm thinking like someone... And when I say hire, I'm talking about 50 bucks a week, right? I'm, I'm, And this is the other thing. If I make more money, then I can hire someone and then the whole thing can start to, to snowball, hopefully. 
But if you're somebody who already does social media as part of your job and could just tack my shit on and it wouldn't, you know, take up a lot of your time or effort and it's no big deal and 50 bucks a week is reasonable to you, um, drop me a line. You can uh, do that at, uh, once you just use the uh, intro at Tangentially Speaking, the same link for the the voice intros that people send in. And just in the subject heading, put um, social media or some social media manager or something like that. Basically, what I'm thinking is I could do, somebody could do a much better job on promoting the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Um if they put a little, if they were better at it than I am. So like pick an audio clip where the guest is saying something interesting, make that an Instagram story, put the link, swipe up, puts, you know, blah, 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 all that shit that I know how to do it, but it takes me too much time and I got too much other shit to do. So if that makes sense to you, sounds like a good deal and you want to be involved in that, drop me a line. Uh, what else? I think that's about it. So 2019, I might be doing not ads, but like sponsorships is the way I look at it. Um, and I promise you, I will never, ever talk about any kind of product that I don't actually use. In fact, what I'm doing now is making up a list of companies that I dig, clothes that I wear, shoes that I wear, stuff that I use in the van, you know, good stuff that I've been using that I recommend to friends. And then whoever I bring on is this social media person. I'll have them reach out to those companies and say, look, this guy has a podcast. He hasn't taken ads for years, but he's interested in aligning himself and introducing his audience to some products he already uses. Yours is one of them. Let's see how that works out. Uh, what else? That's it. So this is Jake Johansson. I love this guy. Uh, wish you could have come along for lunch. I signed up for this thing called Cameo, which Simon turned me, turned me on to. It's, um, it's an app that's like, I mean, I set my price at 25 bucks. Simon's is higher famous people in, in the thousands, but basically what it is, is you can, send me a thing saying, Hey, Chris, you know, it's my boyfriend's birthday coming up and he's a big fan of the podcast. Can you wish him a happy 40th? His name's Billy and make fun of, of, you know, he's missing a thumb, give him a high four or whatever. You know, you can tell me what to do. It's kind of like when people ask me to inscribe books for their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their boss or whomever. And like, Hey, please mention, you know, this is for Monica mention, you know, too bad about the divorce or whatever. <laughs> and I'm happy to do that stuff. So this is like on social media this is on Instagram or, um, you know, the selfie kind of video thing. Anyway, it's called cameo. If you're familiar with it, I'm on there. You can find me on there. And Simon Rex is on there. That's all I know. I haven't done it yet. I just signed up today at lunch. <clears throat> That's all. Uh, I'm going to play you out with a song called Deja Vu All Over Again. It's by John Fogarty, who was the main dude, or one of the main dudes, I think they were brothers, maybe in Creedence Clearwater Revival, who were a big band in the 60s singing about the Vietnam War, uh, I Ain't No Fortunate Son, Who Stopped the Rain, Standing on the Corner, I mean, they're classic tunes you've heard them all for sure if you've ever listened to a radio um and this song is called deja vu all over again and it's about 
I think it was written during the first Iraq war, which was way back in the 90s. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of a timeless song because it's about the build up to war, the lies that are told, the propaganda that's peddled in order to justify something that is ultimately completely unjustifiable. And it's deja vu all over again because it keeps fucking happening. All right, beautiful people. Love you. Catch you soon. Did you hear him talking about it on the radio? Did you try to read the writing on the wall? Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before? It's like deja vu all
Hey everybody, it's podcast time, and uh, am I a guest on your show? That's or? a good question. I don't know. I thought you were going to be a guest on mine, but let's. We, you want to co-release? I think. Well, yes. Co-release sounds really gay in this it context. Does. Well, it? I think it's heterosexual too. I'd, I'd like to co-release with my wife when. Yeah, but she's not here. I'd like to co-release with your wife too. Hey, but. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? Come on. She's, she's, she's a good... She's <laughs> held up pretty well. <laughs> I'm under a lot of pressure from Jake. A lot of... You've been Jake in this for a long time. I'm a little you? bit of a... Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not easy. I'm a problem. By the way, is your moniker Jake this? Is that a reference to suck this? No. It sort of sounds naughty, but yeah. uh, the, the reason for Jake this is that my website is jakethis.com because my name, Jake Johansson, requires some spelling skills. Is it two N's or two S's? It's no one really N's, knows. one S, and then an uh, E instead of an O. You know, you got to simplify that and shit. I know, so I just <clears throat> went down to this. I mean, you got to Americanize that. So, okay, you went down to this, but but it's definitely like, yeah, Jake this, buddy, you know? Well, sort you of. Like, grab your balls when you, you say can it? Say it. You can say it on a... I was thinking if I'm on radio, that this is before podcasts and before social media, I had before the website. television. Well, no, there was television already. Mm. But when I would go on uh, the morning radio to promote a show or something, you want to tell them how to get to your website, Jake this. If you say, it's, oh, it's jakejohansson.com, Jake com was owned by some guy who had a fishing charter in the Caribbean, and he wasn't even using it. But when I asked if I yeah. could oh, get man. it from him, it was like, yeah, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, he yeah. get it from me. He thought his ship so would come Jake in. Jake, this, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jake, you. Yeah, yeah. Because you do have that hard K, which is good. Like right? fuck. Oh, Jake. right. Yeah. Fuck. Jake, this. Fuck this. K, 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 k. Right, the K sounds are good. Okay. Hard, yeah. The, the uh, George Carlin did a whole bit about that, the hard Ks. It was in, it was it was part of his seven words. Uh, you can't say was on television. It, he did so many things. Like yeah. it's hard to. But keep that track was his most famous things. bit, right? The, the seven dirty words yeah. you can't say. But Shit, now piss, you can... fuck, cunt, cock, cock, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Shit, piss, fuck, cock, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. That's eight. So I've added one. Clearly, I think. That's how my memory I works. Think it's, I think it's not cock. Shit, cocksucker. Cock. Yeah, because cock, you can't cock say on television. The cock crowed. And that was part of his thing, too. Like, you could say the cock crowed, and, like, you can... Prick was another one. He was like, you, you can, can prick your finger, but don't finger your prick. Yeah. Yeah. That George Carlin, he was good. <laughs> he was good. You're still... Everyone's still in his shadow, that fucking guy. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, he, he's... Well, and he had a nice long. He lived a long time. He did a lot of he did a lot of things for a long time. A lot time. of coke is what he did. I think for a he long did. Time. Well, I don't know. I don't know what he was up to. He was a cokehead. Are you a cokehead? Do you are you a coke guy? No, I don't no, like coke. Me neither. I think coke appeals to a particular personality, or uh, maybe personality is not the right word, but I think coke appeals very strongly to people who feel deeply insecure about themselves because of the comp they get confidence from it right for a little while they feel smart and confident and articulate and then they come down from it and realize they had, they talked all night long and probably yeah you know and then they feel worse and that's the cycle well i'm not going to lie to you i've tried i tried it but i didn't i didn't get confidence from it man i, I maybe i should give it another try <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I, I got uh, busy. You just feel like you, you're not busy enough. You need to get busier. <laughs> yeah. You know, busy talking, busy yeah. going somewhere. Yeah, lots of energy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I've tried it. Jesus, I've tried it. You know, yeah. seven million times. <laughs> Maybe I do have a coke problem. Yeah, really, I'm not addicted. I'm I not just addicted. keep trying just, it again and there's again. something about it I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, my uh, my buddy Tao has this line. He's like, yeah, I, I really I don't like coke. Unless you have some. I guess that's an old line. Yeah, I think people are still doing coke. I know they are. Yeah. Right? I feel like we learned our lesson. We're from the... I did. I'm not. Yeah, I'm Coke just, I mean, the time I had of a friend in Barcelona who was pretty into Coke and, you know, we'd be out for a few beers and then he'd, you know, pull out the Coke. And the problem with that is then a few beers turns into 4 a.m. It turns everything into a, into a, like a marathon, one of those ultra, ultra marathon, not yeah. even a marathon. It's, it's like, let, let's just yeah. go all night and then tomorrow, let's spend tomorrow. And, right. and the, where's the destination of the marathon? It's like a really long run to a neighborhood you don't want to be in. It's, there's just a guy in front of you in a truck going, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you lose the whole next day. Yeah. Which isn't. See, that's the opposite of being busy. <laughs> well, if you've got a whole next day that looks like it's just going to be terrible anyway, <laughs> sometimes you just, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take that yeah. and I'll trash tomorrow. Yeah. Not me anymore. I'm a, I'm a, I, I don't know. I think I'm pretty low on the dry. It started in, I dabbled now with some of the THC vape things, but yeah. well, that's, that's had limited appeal to me. How, how are you on, on marijuana? Are you, uh, it makes me, I, I have to get the, the dosage or the strain has to be just right. right. Otherwise, I get into either I, either I, sleepy, I want to punch out, or um, couch walk. Yeah, or I get a little. Uh, I guess it's paranoia, but that thing where you can't tell if everybody knows that you're stoned or not, and and it should, uh, you want to talk more, but you think you might be talking too much. Uh, that, that's not a good feeling. It sounds for me. like paranoia. Yeah, yeah, it could be paranoia. Yeah. Yeah, I used to use marijuana a fair bit, and now I haven't in months. Um, and in the last few years, it's been very sporadic. I like the plant a lot. I love growing it. I love having it around. But using it... <laughs> I've never heard that about it. you like having it around? Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. plant. It yeah. smells great. It's very responsive. Um you know, in the sense that, I mean, I've cultivated it for uh -huh. years and years. So it's it's a plant I know really well. So and, you can fertilize it and it takes it and, and water. The, the and the color of the leaves will change in a mm -hmm. day. You know, if it's if it's lacking some nutrient. I used to piss in my plants every morning, which was nice. We had this relationship. Uh, for kids at home listening, don't piss directly into the plant, but piss in, in a bucket, mix it with rainwater and dilute it. And the, the phosphorus in the piss is absorbed very quickly by the plant. But just a little, not every day. You're not putting a... Well, it depends how big the pot is. Pint of whiz in there every day. Is, does it affect the smell of your house? Well, no, because my plants are outside. Yeah. yeah. That's probably also a good note <laughs> to the listener. <laughs> That's right. If you're growing in an indoor facility, well, it smells so much like weed anyway that a little piss in the right. dirt isn't... And do you get high? But also, if, if they're growing indoor, it's hydroponic. That's a whole different thing. Is there THC in the smell? Like, if you're around plant pot plants when no. they're growing, you're not getting high. No, no. 
No, but there, there's a lot of interesting stuff about marijuana. For example, uh, you know, what you're, what's getting you high, literally, in a marijuana plant is frustrated female sexual energy. Mm. So what you've got is the plants, and people listening to this already know this. There, there are people who, uh, professional marijuana cultivators listen to my podcast. I know this because bless you people out there because they order their supplies on Amazon through my affiliate link. So I get these reports, right? Oh, their supplies for their growth. Right. So they're like gallons of fertilizer and, you know, 600 watt bulbs and, you know, all this stuff that... (laughs) Just in case. I get a lot of government agents listening to my podcast. So (laughs) if you just want to go check the people on Chris Ryan's buy list... It's legal. It's legal. That's the beauty of it. The things they're buying are legal, but they may not be doing it in a legal... Ah, they're in Oregon, I'm sure. They're in Oregon. Yeah, everybody's got a permit for everything. Yeah, come on. Um, anyway, the thing about the marijuana, that, one of many things, I mean, for, it's the plant that's been cultivated by humans the longest. There's no way to look at marijuana without human intervention. Longer marijuana than, is like the dog of the plant world. Longer than wheat? Longer than wheat. And I love the way you got that H into the wheat. Do you do that with all WH that was, words? That was just for comedic <laughs> I have friends who do that. They, they're like, whom and when and like dude you're wasting a lot of breath unnecessarily on that word what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah they went to harvard these people mm-hmm. yeah uh so so marijuana you get the way you you the the, the thc and other um psychoactive chemicals are concentrated in the resin the sticky Sticky wicky, as Snoop Dogg puts it, and the resin is in the in the in the bud in the what the bud the bud, which yes. is where the fl- uh, flower, the flower is, comes right? out. So in nature, the plant produces some flowers, gets pollinated, goes to seed, and dies. That's just the the way well, it right. works, right? But so in what your you basement, do, what happens? But in your mother's walk-in closet, what happens is. You remove male plants. Now, this is in the old days when they didn't have um, feminized seeds. Now you can buy seeds that are all female plants. I don't mm. know how they do that. Some sort of DNA manipulation. In the year 25. 25. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> what was that? If man is still alive, will will we survive? It's it's about like women don't really need us when they can't. When they yeah, don't but who who did it? Well, that's it's a, a, it's not a Monty, you can Google that. But it's not I, a Monty Python thing, is it? No, no, no. it's a it's a real rock star. Oh, okay. Hot song. It's a okay. I'll Google that while you try, describe what happens in your well, in your crawl space when you're growing pot. So you, you remove get feminine so you, plants so you, as soon as the plant starts to show sexual characteristics, because you have a male and a female marijuana plant. Not mm-hmm. all plants have gender, by the way. Uh, many don't. Um, well, don't some of them do their, their self like they go, you're, you're going to be a lady, I'm going to be a man, and then, you know, they can be either one? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know that much about plants other than marijuana, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. Oh, interesting. Like, all my knowledge of plants is focused on that one plant. Uh, anyway, so what you do is you eliminate the male plants as soon as they start to show any sexual characteristics before they mature and can start pollinating the fuck out of the females. You eliminate all the males, so then the females start to flower when they reach maturity, 
they start to flower and those flowers don't get fertilized. So then they flower more. We're not trying hard. Exactly. Where are the dudes? Where are the dudes? They're further away. So they make more flowers and more flowers and more flowers. And in those flowers is this resin, which is like honey, which when the pollen lands on it, it sticks. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's the evolutionary purpose of the resin. So because they're not getting pollinated, they, they keep producing more, more and more and more resin. They become these juicy, desperate females. Uh-huh. And that's where your buzz is. And so then when you harvest them and also there's some there's like an S&M component to it. Some growers, they they bend the branches almost to the breaking point and tie them down. And the thinking there is that it, they produce more resin because they're stressed. So mm. it's kind of like spanking a little bit. Yeah. Or, you know, pick your 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 dominant submissive. But it feels like then that <clears throat> pot could make you more anxious because the plant was anxious. You know, like they say when you, when yeah, you, like you eat deer, the meat. You right. Like, yeah. With adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There hasn't been scientific research into that that I'm aware of. That's beyond the scope of this conversation. It's, as are most things. But let yeah. me just tell you this. In the Year 2025 is a 1968 hit song by the American pop rock duo of Zager and Evans. It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for six weeks, commencing July 12, 1969. It peaked at number one in the UK singles chart for three weeks in August and September that year. I hope they invested that money because I don't think there was any more after that. Zager and Evans? Yeah. Yeah. Where are they now? I Dead. wonder if you can click on them. Oh, here we go. Zager and Evans, pop duo of the 60s and early 70s. <laughs> Named for its two members. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, they're both from, guess what state? Wisconsin. Nebraska. Nebraska. That was my next guess. Uh, yeah. They never had another national hit record. After that. Yeah. Yeah. They should have tried in the year 2026, the follow-up. Yeah, every year. Oh, God. Wouldn't it be great if there was an alternate universe? How do we know they didn't? How do we know they didn't? They might be the biggest thing ever in South Africa, and we just don't know it. Zager now builds custom guitars at Zager Guitars in Lincoln, Nebraska. Evans has largely retired from public life, but offered... Online commentaries about 2525 and his whereabouts as recently as 2013. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know yeah. that they're thriving. <clears throat> Speaking of musicians. Yes. Have you seen the uh, Bruce Springsteen special on Netflix? No, I haven't. It's extremely good. He's very good. He's very uh, good. I saw him when I was in college in the 70s. At uh, well, when he was on tour for the River album, uh-huh. and it was a great show. And that was he was doing it in a basketball arena. I yeah. mean, I don't know where you have to go see him live now. It's some kind of yeah. outdoor stadium, watching from a helicopter or something. It's it's <laughs> too many too many people like him. Yeah, yeah. Well, this the special is great. It's his Broadway show that I guess ran for a month, mm-hmm. um, and it just finished. And so they you know, filmed it for Netflix. So now we can all watch it. We can all watch Not it. Not just the rich people. And you don't need to be Broadway. in a helicopter. You can watch it from the comfort of your, your sofa. I don't think it would be as good in a helicopter. It's pretty noisy in it's there. No matter how they insulate them, they're still pretty noisy. You ever been in a helicopter? I have. 
I haven't. I saw Joe Rogan just posted uh, a couple of videos a couple of days ago. He was flying around over downtown L.A. with Bill Burr, who is a helicopter pilot. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see that Bill was learning how to fly a helicopter. I took private fl plane flying lessons, or air flying lessons. I took yeah. flying lessons in a tiny plane at Santa Monica Airport because uh -huh. I was so. My house used to be about. 12, 15 blocks from here, right in the flight path. And right. I was so mad about the planes that I thought, how do I turn this into a positive? So I took flying lessons for a while. And it's just, it's expensive and it's dangerous. And if it hasn't been a while since you went, you feel a little bit like, is this the right thing? You, you know, you can make one of those silly mistakes like, oh, I forgot to check the thing. And now you're dead. So I, I didn't like the flying. Hmm. And I wouldn't get in... Uh, Bill Burr, I suppose... I trust Bill. I've met him a few times. He's super funny. But... Uh, it's a quality you want in your pilot. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get in a thing that's... I like the commercial flights because that guy has been flying all day, every day for a while. Yeah. And he's not going to make some kind of checklist mistake. How do you feel when you're on a commercial flight and the pilot gets on to introduce himself and all that? And he goes for laughs. Is that comforting for you? Because, you know, sometimes they're like, hey, I got a mic. I'm, you know, I'm the funny pilot. Do you like that? Or are you like, dude, just fly the fucking plane? And I like a little bit of joking around. I feel like I've flown so much that I don't have a nervous, you mm -hmm. know, I've, I've kind of disconnected. I, I've <clears throat> embed, embedded that idea of, look, it's worth it, the risk of me dying. I need to go to Omaha. Nebraska Laffy's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uncle Laffy's, <laughs> Uncle Laffy's. Have you had uh, close calls, freaky situations on airplanes? Nothing, nothing like where anything banged off the roof or anything. I've been on there where it's been, it's gotten bumpy and a little bit. Uh, like the people around me were sort of alarmed, and I had to people holding hands. Yeah, a little bit of hand holding, a little bit of you know, you see the person next to you and they're grabbing onto the chair. So if you were in a plane, let's say you were like, you know, cruising altitude over the Pacific on your way to Bali and two engines blew up and you're like, and everyone's like, oh, we are going to die now. Yeah. Would you, and you were sitting next to a very attractive woman. <laughs> I mean, what would your reaction be like? I'm going to go down fucking, or would it be like I'm going to go down screaming like a little bitch? Or you know, where do you think you'd fall in that spectrum? I feel like, um, <sighs> no offense to little bitches, by the way. Jonathan Katz, the comedian Jonathan Katz, who mm -hmm. had that show Doctor Katz, mm -hmm. very funny guy. If you're listening to this, check out Jonathan Katz. But he he was a stand-up before he did that show, and he had this joke in his act, which I hope I. I'm allowed to, but he would. He's in this bar and this, he's sitting, just having a beer, and and something's on the news, and so he asked the guy next to him, who's a tough, you know, biker guy, what, what would you? You know, it's about nuclear war. He goes, what would you do if you found out the bombs were on the way and we were all going to die? He got, and the guy next to him goes, I'd fuck the first thing that moves. What would you do? John the Cats goes, I'd hold very still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think the reality is, you know, maybe if you got an hour or two, you could get an erection. But if it's yeah. like, boy, you got to... <laughs> is that how long it takes? Well, no, but I mean... Come on, Jake, it faster. But if you... <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, man. Take this. If you're gonna die, time. if you're gonna die in five minutes, do you think you could get an erection and and go for it? Do you think you could I, do it in a crowded plane where some people are crying? Yeah, maybe. I don't think there's any way. Not at my age. Maybe when I was fifteen. <laughs> fifteen, I've already got an erection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't. Right. I think it'd be hard to. I think it'd be hard to have be, sex. That would, that would be, a, be a pressure, time crunch. So yeah. many things going on. Yeah, there's a lot of distraction. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think I could get the green light from uh, Belinda, my wife, if uh, if that situation ever came up that I would be allowed. But you'd have to text her. No, she would say no. I just I'm going to assume that you're you get a waiver with the lady next to you in that situation. Yeah. yeah. What's really awkward is if she's in the other side on the other seat. She's in the window seat. <laughs> She's asleep. I didn't want to wake you up because I thought we were going to die. And so I, I had sex with a lady in the middle seat. And uh, it turns out the pilot was able to pull it off. Yeah. I panicked. It was just thunder. But uh, so, so that plus also that's the reason when we get off the plane, I got to talk to the police for a little while. Yeah, that's right. I'll be right there, honey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Bali soon. So that's why I'm asking. I'm just trying to plan ahead. Mm. Well, I think... Oh, yeah. by the way, I, I stole one of your jokes in my in my uh, intro to a recent podcast, but I mentioned Uh-oh. you. Well, well, that's good. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the whole joke. It was just a little bit where you click on the thing saying, "I'm not a robot." Yes. Like, what's on the other side of that? Mm-hmm. It's, that was so fucking brilliant, man. Yeah, it's yeah. a robot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm ready to download. I'm ready to become a robot. Are you? This these podcasts will be so much easier when we're all robots. We'll just be telepathically communicating. Well, we won't have to tell the other robots what we think. They'll know. You know, maybe even, you know, because this will live forever in a digital cloud somewhere. Mm -hmm. Maybe there will come a day when they'll be able to just listen to enough conversation and pull out your personality just from this these archive conversations. Reboot a version of you? Yeah. Well, and that'll be great. Uh... I suppose it'll be sort of an immortality, but you won't, you, that you won't know about this you. It'll only have the information that was in those conversations plus some right. extrapolated other But isn't that part, backstory. isn't that the point that the, you know, there is no real you anymore. They're just these replicated copies of you. And, and other people's idea of you. The, and they you all would, think they're you. It's like Black, have you watched Black Mirror? Yeah. Yeah, they get into that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the the robot or the replicant or whatever it is the, believes it to be you, just like you believe you to be you at the moment. I do, <laughs> which doesn't really prove that you are you. you well, right, you and know, the me, this is the, the whole me tomorrow, thing. tomorrow me will know all of the <clears throat> things that happen between now and then, or most of them whatever it can remember. But tomorrow me may not know all the things that today me knows because they may, I may, there may be some things that I'm just on the verge of forgetting Yeah, that by tomorrow will be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, this is another thing I mentioned in that same uh, rant where I used one of your jokes with, um, which is, I was thinking about this cause I have a friend who's uh, in her early thirties and we were talking about, like, I feel like I really like hanging with young people like Kyle, our mutual buddy. He's 28 and he's great and the energy and all that. But there's, I feel a wariness 
about you're wary or he's wary. I'm, you feel I'm the wariness in him. You're I'm wary. wary, and and the wariness comes from the fact that I realize that <laughs> young what. I'm just trying to turn this into some kind of sexual predator. Like, I'm wary that there's something illegal about the thoughts that I'm having about these young people. You always got to yeah. ask for ideas. So what are you wary about? So I'm wary because, because I'm aware of the fact that young people can change so much. In fact, that's part of being young is that you're you're changing in, in like a radical sense. And then I think we reach an age where then we stop those sort of radical fundamental changes. Like unless you're you know, an addict or you, there's something like very fundamental and structural that you do struggle to change. But I think most people, we sort of reach a, um, for example, okay, there was a point in my life and it was probably maybe 30, 31, 32, somewhere in there, where I settled on a drying sequence when I got out of the shower. Mm -hmm. Like, I, from that point on, I dried my body the same way every time. I figured it out. We're going right to the important shit. Uh-huh. Well, it's a, it's a metaphor, right? So I figured out, like, this is how I dry my hair, and then I don't need to comb it. Mm -hmm. And and then this works on the back, and this does this, and this is a. It's not like a, It's like you learn to tie your shoes. There are fifteen different ways to tie your shoes. You settle on one. You're four years old or whatever you are, and that's how you tie your shoes mm -hmm. for the rest of your life, yeah. right? So I think that happens elsewhere in many ways. There's a certain way you like to make your coffee. There's a certain way you like to you know, whatever. Uh -huh. uh, and I feel like we reach a stage in life where we're kind of like okay. You're Jake now, and you're just going to get older. Whereas previous to that, you were different versions of Jake that may have been quite different. You know what? Yes, <clears throat> I see what you mean. Uh, and, not but, but and, I, I think that, that that can really vary with people. Because I feel like as... In, in life, when I think about the choices that you make, you know, if, you're, if, you, if it's a tree more t uh, metaphor, and you're climbing up a tree, you know, once you're at a certain, and you do, you're not going to go back down, then once you pass some branches, those are things that are not open to you anymore, mm. you know. Right. And, but it's not, that's, that metaphor doesn't exactly hold up. But, you know, you, there's, there's, there's opportunities that I had that I didn't take that are no longer, I mean, there's so less, I don't want to go back to school and become a lawyer or an engineer right. or any of those yeah. kind of things anymore. Yeah. On the one hand, on the other hand, I am surprised. When I was in my 30s, I went to New Orleans for the first time, and I loved it so much. And I was probably 34, 35. So you think you're a grown-up sort of at that time. I couldn't believe there was a thing that I loved that much that I had zero inkling would ever happen. And... Uh, and then I went to Jazz Fest every year from then on. I've only missed a couple of years recently because of some of this international travel. And, I, and that, that was a major epiphany in my life, that there was a thing like that. But you didn't change. You just found something that you really liked. Well, I changed in the sense that pre-then pre me wasn't talking about New Orleans and making the food. Right. And but pre-then you would have enjoyed it if someone had taken you there. Possibly, possibly. I mean, uh, you know... But you're talking more about uh, how I'm me 
you're, you feel like you're you and you're not going to change. Well, I started doing this jujitsu this year, right? And I really love that. I yeah. put that in that category of wow, I really like this. I, I almost wish, well, I definitely wish that I had started it sooner because. You know, we're also at a point, I feel like I'm not obsessed with my mortality, but like reality check, when you're in your 50s, you know, there's not a, I don't know how many more years you got where you can walk around and do all the things that you can do now. Right. I mean, it's 20, 20 if you're lucky, maybe maybe more, but uh, but it's going down. Like we went to the award ceremony at the Jiu-Jitsu place the other day. Uh, where people get promoted to the next level belt or they have stripes that they give you inside the belt and I got a couple stripes and my friend got promoted from white to blue and I was saying you know I'm gonna see you get your black belt and I probably will see him get his back black belt but I don't think I, I, I may not make it to that just because my won't be my body just won't be able to keep doing it right you know right. so I feel like in that sense, I am who I am, but I'm also changing into another thing. And I don't rule out that there might be a thing that I do next year that I decide, oh, well, now I'm also going to become a chef. So I'm a different person or not a chef, but I'm going to learn more about cooking or I'm going to I'm enhancing the me that I've become. So I think yeah. some people are changing a lot. I feel like you are lucky at, you know. Not that I think of us, but at, we're at the same. At this age, you're lucky to have connected with young people in a way where they give a shit about what you think. And uh, I think that that's something that's good for them and good for you. You know, that, that you can impart some of the knowledge, wisdom that you've got and that they, they want to receive it. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of people who are our age who are frustrated because yeah. they know some shit and no one gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah, Milan Kundera, uh, one of my favorite authors, said, the reason I write books is that my kids don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a dream that someday he thinks they will. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's like he reaches... Or somebody listens he, to him. He puts it out for, for strangers. Oh, you know? well, look, yeah. that's the reason you become a comedian and you become, a, I think, an actor or yeah. an author. I think that everybody's like, well, fuck, I've got shit I want to say yeah. and, I'm, and I need to say it. How do I get people to listen to it? They're, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, motherfucker awards. Yes, you you and Kyle produced the motherfucker and awards. You were, and you were I fantastic. Did. I really enjoyed that. Was I had a big week, or a big week and a half because we did the motherfucker awards. So technically, I got an award that says that I was a motherfucker. Right. Even though the awards were for. Yeah, terrible industries that are screwing our mother. Different Earth. kind of motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was exciting. And then that week I went to Chicago, and I got you see that up on the fireplace right there. Oh yeah, that's a cup that says uh, "Comedy Legend." Oh, Jake Johansson from from the comedy club there in Chicago, Zanies. It's there was this year's their fortieth anniversary of being in business, and I've been there a lot I, of times. I, I noticed the motherfucker award is not up on the mantelpiece over the fireplace, and Jake. I would have put it up there, but I was worried because it's made out of glass, and I thought if it falls off there, oh, it's then, too precious then to, to risk then exposing. I'm yeah, you're motherfucked. <laughs> yeah, so so I didn't really I I. I really struggled with that because I want I would put it up there. Sure, you would. Yeah, mine's mine's right next to my AVN award. Yeah, they, they uh, yeah. Make, maybe I will put it up. Put it up there. Couple. I'll tell you what. I'll put it up there for Christmas. If you, <laughs> oh, if you come, oh, even, oh. even if you're not coming over. <laughs> so what else happened that week? And then I, and I got two stripes on my belt. Oh, same week. Yeah, God oh, damn. one week. Yeah, it was a big. You are changing, Jake. 
I am You're changing. growing up. That's a lot's good. happening. I'm making the victory lap of my life where I go, you know, when you, if, you're, if you're some super successful actor, then they, they give you, you get all these lifetime achievements, uh, yeah, awards yeah. and stuff. So my version of that is I got a motherfucker, I got this yeah. cup from a yeah. comedy club. Next up is the In Memoriam Prize. <laughs> you know, when you say you get two stripes well, on your belt, what, yeah. it's a piece of tape that yeah. they put around the yeah. belt. It's like I've never been so proud of two pieces of tape. I, but, you know, I, uh, I studied Kung Fu when I was a kid, and we had these silk sashes that mm-hmm. they gave us, these white silk sashes with fringe, and they had black stripes, and, you nice. know, each stripe. Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. This was in uh, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. And years, I, I carried my mine around with me. I was so proud of the stripes yes. I'd earned mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, years later, I showed it to somebody when I was living in Connecticut. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, we, we use those at um, uh, the synagogue. And there are these, you've seen the like, Orthodox Jews have the white silk thing with the black stripes on them? Well, not with the black, I, I, but I know what you're talking about. They, they Belinda, wear them. Belinda graduated from UCLA. They had a, a sash thing like that. Oh, so I, I think these are like some sort of Jewish... Mm-hmm. Thing that our Okinawan kung fu teacher was like ordering somewhere, and like nobody knew because well, right. there are no Jewish people studying kung fu in Western Pennsylvania. Well, there were no Jews actually. There was I knew one Jewish kid in uh, what was her name Rosenberg Sherry Rosenberg, uh, and I didn't really understand what Jewish even meant until I moved to Connecticut. I guess I didn't really. We had a. There was a synagogue in the town where I lived, and we went there on a as a as a tour for our Sunday school to experience, you know, see other religions. And let's face it, they're they're we're all people of the book, the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims. The, the Old Testament, everybody's yeah. got that in common. Um, so we went there, but but I it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. I guess maybe. Uh, there must have been Jewish people since there was that synagogue that were in my kids in my school, or maybe they had their own school. I don't know. But I remember moving to San Francisco in the 80s and having a friend, David Feldman, who would be on stage talking about anti-Semitism. And I'm like, no, that was, that's World War II. That's, right. we, they, the concentration camps, that was that stupid Hitler. Yeah. We're done with that now. I didn't get that, oh, this is an ongoing thing because I had so little interaction with Jewish people. Yeah. Yeah, we're both Midwesterners. That's interesting. Did you yep. did you say pop where you grew up? Soda pop? I don't remember. We didn't drink that stuff. Oh. Satan's brew. We would drink, yeah, milk. <laughs> milk. The amount of milk that I drank when I was a kid, we'd have a glass of milk with every meal, right? It's got calcium and protein. and they were, We were just sure that, yeah. well, I think maybe less so. A lot of milk. pus. Do you know that there's a lot of pus in milk? I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was listening to uh, a podcast. I think it was Fresh Air with Terry Gross um, interviewing... uh, Oh, who's who's the actress who was in The Black Swan and so many other things? Beautiful Jewish. Uh, Shit, what's her name? Uh, Anyway, she's a... I'm going to figure this out while you're talking. Animal rights activist. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the dairy industry and how the cows are mistreated and, you know, in these very small enclosures and sick and they hook up these, you know, um, automatic milking machines. And she said, like, the the FDA allowed the milk to have, like, a 15% pus content. 
Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. And I was just like, oh, that just kind of I don't think 15%. That seems high. Check it out, It can't be 15% pus. Maybe it's five. I don't know. But whatever it is, it was too much pus. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how much pus is... is well, what's no, the right level of pus? You don't in ask. Milk? Well, look, there's insect parts in a your peanut shake. butter. I mean, it's like, look, you've got to make an omelet. You've got to break some eggs. You're going to have some milk. You've got to have a little pus in there. Yeah. It comes out of the udders of a cow. You know? Know. So maybe there's a little bit of infection or have whatever. You, have you ever had like... They're not adding pus to the milk. That, that just comes... It comes along. <laughs> Add like new, new nutrients. This, this batch is a little low on like, pus. Can that's you... right. A little, and pus is very high in vitamin D. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had like milk straight from a cow? No, I haven't ever had that. Have, Have you ever not... milked a cow? No, I don't think so. I was trying to, I mean, I you forgot. Milked, I'm milked sure there's things that I've anything? forgotten. I think I've milked something. <clears throat> I've grabbed onto some animals. It was a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. So, what about human milk? Have you ever tasted human milk? <laughs> when, when our daughter was first born, uh-huh. you know, you you the kids nurse from the mother's breast. Really? All, yes. Thanks, Jay. I know you know this. But then another thing that happens is you're the mom. You fill up, and if the kid doesn't drink at all, you've got a pump. Yeah. Which is like a milking machine that you put right. on yourself. Right. Pump the breast milk out, and then you can save it in the fridge, and the kid can have it later in a bottle. And so, uh, so my dad was visiting when our daughter was little and breastfeeding, and and uh, it was, I'm getting the breast milk out of the fridge, and we're having some uh, breast milk, ha ha ha. And my dad goes, "Have you ever tried it?" And I go, "Yeah." And he says, from the bottle? <laughs> I was like, no. Dad. No, not from the bottle. Yeah. Do you have another question? <laughs> I mean, why, why would you even ask that question? <laughs> Did that end it? That was, he had no follow-up no questions follow-ups. from that. I, yeah. think he wanted, I think he would have, if there was a way that you could unask a question, <laughs> I think he would have done that. Wouldn't that be nice if you could just undo, yeah. like one step back? Control wanna, Z, Control Z. I want to do over on that. Can I get a do over? <laughs> yeah, or like when people say, "I take it back." You can't take it back. You said it. You can't take it back. Well, you can't. I feel like you can let them. Look, you said it. I know you think it. You take it back. That means we'll that pretend you, I didn't hear we'll, that. We'll pretend it was an accident. We'll pretend you didn't really mean to say it. But that. do you really? Hmm? Do you really pretend that? I don't think so. I, I think, think we all just, we're all going to agree to live a fucking charade now. Well, it would be, look, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where if someone asked me if they could take something back, it would be refreshing. <laughs> take it all back. <laughs> because I feel like we're living in a, in a year where, sorry, not sorry. That's the expression now. Sorry, uh, not sorry. Like, yeah. not only do I not take it back, I apologize, but I don't really apologize. So you know, what's the point of that? It's a fuck. It's a fuck you. Yeah. We're in we're in fuck you time now. Are we? Yeah. I feel like you're so lucky. If somebody wants to take something back, you go. That's very refreshing. The idea that you would regret something that you've done mm. is refreshing. Because mm. I think everybody now is uh, maybe it's participation. Tro- everybody wants to blame participation trophies on trophies on everything. Mm. But I feel like people are so high on their own supply, they just can't believe that they could possibly ever make a mistake. That even when they make a mistake, they kind of feel like, well, fuck it, that's me. You know me. You know how I am. Hmm. 
I, I keep like in mind I'm that this isn't a philosophy that I have. This yeah. is just a thing that I made up in this last minute. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of out of sync with the modern world sometimes. I mean, I, I guess I always have been. But, like, my Twitter feed is like a lot of kindness. Yeah, mine is too. I think it's different if... I mean, this is the real wake-up call. I have, I have some younger female friends who are comedians online, and they're talking about, you know, what jerks guys are to them. And, you yeah. know, and they're sick of guys like us saying, well, it's not all guys, because they know it's not all guys. Right. But there's, there's such a... There's such an angry, hateful vibe going out there that, yeah. that somehow we're we're not experiencing. Yeah. And maybe maybe yeah. that's maybe that's white male privilege. Maybe that's maybe. why, yeah. or maybe it's because we're just old enough that that's not going on. Right, that I we're mean, sort of not in the in the pit with that. When we also, don't I block people on Twitter. Well, if we someone's don't an asshole, I block them right away. Well, this is kind of your area. I listen to this series of um, podcasts uh, that Radiolab put out called In the Know, N O. And it was about consent. And some of the stories that these younger people were telling about consent and what was a violation of their consent were so, like, difficult because they were so different and foreign. To Like, the, the, this woman was angry at a friend that she had who was... They were both heterosexual, and but they weren't sexually involved with each other, but they would cuddle and hang out and he he came over and they were cuddling and there was some kind of touching mutual kind of touching going on and then he he wanted them to masturbate together and she was not into that but and she said look go and do it in the bathroom and come back but he went ahead and finished anyway and she was really mad that that was this super violation of her thing her her ability to consent and it's like man he, he you, you, from my point of view, it's like, boy, you, you're really asking a lot of people to get them to a point where they've got their genitals out and they're aroused and they're doing sex stuff. And I mean, I get that no means no, but also that was such a like, so we masturbated in front of you, but you guys were already masturbating in front of each other anyway. But then he had an orgasm and that, and then it was an ongoing thing. Like they were out of touch for a while after that. And I, and I was really like, wow, I, I First of all, I never had an experience like that. But uh, second of all, it's like, man, I, this idea that you've got a friend that you're masturbating with, but then if somebody has an orgasm, that's like, no, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It's like, wow, this is like, that's like some strip club relationship that you got going. Yeah. 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 America has a thing about rules. You know, it's a very... We love them. We love them. And I've thought about that a lot because, you know, living in Spain so long, it's the, um, the way behavior is managed in other cultures is very different. And, you know, I think even on a legal level, for example, when I was growing marijuana in Spain, it, it was not legal, but it was not illegal. In the sense that, and a lot of things are like that in Spain. There's the the gray zone is massive in in Spanish culture, even in the legal culture. So, for example, in the U.S., it's illegal to grow. Or at that time, it was illegal to grow marijuana. 
cops are flying over with infrared cameras trying to pick up the heat from your lamps if you're growing indoors, you know, just taking shots of people's rooftops looking for marijuana plants. It's illegal and they're coming after you if you're doing it, right? The law is the law. In Spain, there are people growing marijuana plants on their balcony overlooking, like, you know, the major avenues of Barcelona. Mm-hmm. If nobody complains, the cops don't give a shit. The cops don't give a shit if you're breaking the law in a way that doesn't bother anyone. The, the, the thing that alerts law enforcement is if someone complains, not if you're seen to be doing it. That was a... You know, our, the American version of that is where they make the legal system so complicated that... Uh, yeah, do whatever you want. But if we decide we don't like you for any reason, we'll we're going to bust you for some other right. reason. Because everyone's because breaking that... the law every day. Right. You can't. Every help. time you fucking click, I agree on one of these updates on your software, you're lying because you haven't read it. And you're probably doing something that, that you said that you wouldn't do. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, the, so that's the problem with that kind of mentality of like, yeah, it's illegal, but we don't enforce it unless somebody complains. Well, okay. What if they complain about something that you're doing that they can't catch you doing that, but they know they can get you for the pot? Do they then come after you for the pot, even though no one complained to you about the pot? You know, because that's that's yeah. That, but see, that, that that's what's beautiful what about we got going on here. Yeah, that's that's the problem here. The state becomes the enemy. The cops are the enemy because they because they want to get you like they're. In Spain, and maybe I'm idolizing Spain or people think I'm whatever. I lived there 25 years, right? So, I, I, I mean, I've been there. There aren't cops sitting in the dark by fucking stop signs in the middle of nowhere waiting to see someone go through, drive through without stopping. They're not, they're not trying to trap you mm-hmm. like here. Right? They're not doing that. They, they don't need a quota of tickets they need to write every fucking week or whatever bullshit that's going on. So it's a very different relationship that you have with law enforcement there. It mm-hmm. feels like they're on your side. And I'm saying this as a you know, 56-year-old white man. I can't imagine, you know, and I feel like cops are the enemy to me. Like, I don't fucking trust talking to cops. Well, it's, it's, so this is an interesting analogy because first we were talking about sexual consent and rules, and then you, you switch to the cop right. thing. Right. Well, yeah, but just, this is, yeah. But this is one thing, the thing right. that I think about po- this political correctness is... Right. Everyone has a secret fantasy to be a cop. Yeah. Everybody, Everyone's an enforcer. They, they want to blow the whistle right. and catch you doing crimes. Right. And they're the one who got the goods on you, naughty, right. law-breaking yeah. person. Exactly. As opposed to acknowledging the fact that, look, everybody makes a mistake. And how bad is the mistake that you made? Right. And is, it, is it even really a mistake that we want to be that worried about? Right. We can't even have those conversations. Well, see, that's how it applies. I mean, you know, the, the Me Too thing, I feel like in that example that you laid out there, like, first of all, I agree with you totally that you got into this situation. You're in a situation where, like, people don't always control when they come, you know? Uh, so you're in a situation where you're like making these very fine gradations of what's acceptable and what isn't. You shouldn't be naked in a room with a dude, you know, touching your junk together. Well, that's yeah. You're it, in a you're in a place get, where yeah, shit happens. I don't want to be a blame the victim guy, but yeah, that, I I had a little bit of that situation. Like, look, if you don't want to be with a person who, when they have an orgasm, 
don't if don't once, invite them into your bedroom and get touching their genitals. That's yeah. like okay, let's we got to back up from this. Yeah. So, but that was my example of look, people are living a different life because that's that's how we did it. That's how we think of it. Yeah. But that's not how these people that I was listening to were thinking of it. Yeah. You know, the problem even the, is even the guy in retrospect was like, yeah, I feel really bad. I yeah. did that, and I'm sorry. And it's right. Like, yeah, well, I get that you're sorry, but really, are you sorry? Because, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who's sorry? Well, I'm sorry he's sorry because <laughs> a lot of what I hear from young women is a lot of frustration over the fact that they can't find men. What they find is a bunch of apologetic, whimpering boys who, and this brings it full circle, who are on the surface very apologetic and meek and trying to be, you know, whatever, like toe the line. But you scratch that surface and there's rage. It's fucking rage. No doubt there's rage because they're being told that what they feel and what they're, you know, what they want and all that is all dirty. It's all wrong. It's all horrible. You're a fucking sex monster. All men are rapists. Fuck that. Well, we're different. I feel like this is the thing that gets men and women are different. And yeah. so if if I get that if you're a female, it feels like this is something that you should be able to do. Hang out with your clothes off, cuddling with your best opposite sex man friend and have it stay platonic. And, right. And, and have him not get a hard on. Fuck right. that. But this is always the thing that you would talk to women about. Like, yeah, I got a lot of guy friends. And it's like, well, I think most of them probably want to sleep with you. And they're like, why do you have to be a jerk? You're so shallow. You don't think that I'm valued, <laughs> that I, that I could be valued to. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's not what I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm just saying we're in our twenties and guys in their twenties are, you know, I, okay. Maybe you got a guy friend who's in his forties or fifties or older who, who, who's okay to be hanging out. Not nice. naked, not naked, nice. not naked. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's tricky, but that's, I, I get that. Times are different now, so maybe I'm a grandpa who's got some weird ideas about shit. And I, that's why I'm glad I'm married. I'm dealing with someone who I, uh, well, I wouldn't say I understand her, but I understand <laughs> enough. Yeah, you don't have to start over. I know how to get through a day. Yeah. <laughs> the nights are tricky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the nights can be tricky. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I don't know, man. It's it's a weird thing because I feel like on some levels I'm super in touch with all that stuff because of Sex at Dawn and the, mm-hmm. the podcast and the, you know, the feedback I get from people. And most of the people listening to the podcast are, you know, probably 25 to 35, I would say, probably, I don't know, 80% yeah. of the audience or something. So I feel like very... Like, I'm in that world a lot. I feel like, you know, Kyle and other friends of mine in that age group and... I'm very in touch with it, but in another way, I feel very um, like like I'm definitely not hanging out at colleges with people who get offended if I say the word fuck, you know, or... Well, we're also self-selecting ourselves. I mean, that's the thing when you see some of these guys, like I was talking about women who have this comedian, young comedian, female friends on, on Twitter who have this experience of guys that they're just assholes like yeah. as soon as they get disagree with the these women they go right to bitch or right. cunt or something yeah. like that and uh we're we're more saying in our staying in our self-selected bubble i mean that's where I, i'm right. talking to the people who want to listen to me my right. podcast is for people right. who 
are kind of fans of mine who want to know what's going on with me. There's, there's probably things of interest to other people in there. But if you, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Right. You know? right. And then you get a guy like Jordan Peterson who is out there, and I, I don't think he's some kind of oracle, but he is out there telling people that he knows disagree with him what he thinks. And so that guy is having a whole different experience than we are on Twitter. Yeah. Because he's, at, yeah. he's pushing himself out there to say, look, I'm up for an argument with right. you. Right. Hey, what do you think of the whole Kevin Hart thing? Well, you're going to have to bring me up to speed on that because I have to admit that I only vaguely know that right. he got in some kind of trouble for some well, tweet, tweet he, some ooh, way yeah, back from tweet. like 10 years ago. Yeah. So he was offered to, to host the Oscars. He accepted. And then within, I think, 48 hours... People pulled up old tweets that were homophobic in the sense that he was basically saying, like, like one of the tweets was like, hey, you know, uh, everyone should do what they want to do. I, I got no problem with gay people. But if I came home and my son was playing with my daughter's dolls, I'd like, you know, sit him down and say, don't do that. Don't do it. You know, and like try to talk him out of it. So it's like interpreted as like a, a fear of homosexuality and also offensive in the sense that he the premise was that he could convince his son not to be gay. Well, or make his son self-conscious about his identity. Yeah, I mean, but I think it, it's a bad thing. But then the, the other question is, like, is that something that he's saying on Twitter to get a reaction or is this some reality thing like the reality of, a, I, you know, I don't know Kevin Hart, but it seems like the reality of most of the modern people I know is they might say some shit like that. But once they have everybody thinks that they're going to come oh, I'm when I have a kid, I'm going to fuck. I'm not going to let them get away with that shit. And then you have a kid and you realize, oh, you can't really they're a person. You can't just force them to do stuff. I mean, right. you can if it's a safety issue. Right. But if it's a if it's a playing with this toy or that toy issue, you got to talk them into it. And you don't really have the heart, no pun intended, yeah. to to come down on your kid who's having a good time and loving something. Well, exactly. Like, They're going to be who they are. You're not going to shame him. I right. don't think Kevin Hart's actually going to shame him. Well, and, and like that's that. the whole point. He wasn't giving parenting advice. He was making a joke. He was, and, and yeah. arguably he was making fun of himself for being uncomfortable with homosexuality. Okay, so, so, so I mean, Andrew, do you know who Andrew Sullivan is, the, the yeah. writer? Mm -hmm. So he's gay, right? Uh, yes. And like, uh, and a Republican. And a conservative, not a Republican, I think, but a conservative. Well, he's backed up at this being a point. Republican. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very intelligent guy. Uh, friend of mine, sort of. I've been to a bear bar with him. I was. I actually was in a bear bar with Andrew oh, Sullivan. Man. I would go to a bear bar with Andrew it's Sullivan. The only bear I... bar I've ever been to. Bears, for those of you who don't know, are big, hairy gay men. And I was in a bear bar in the West Village with Andrew Sullivan and Dan Savage. And Not a bear, though. He's a thin guy. He's he? a tw tweak or tweep or whatever. There's, I don't know. The twink. Twink. twink? He's, he's more of a twink, yeah. But he likes bears. Was that a trick to see if I knew that? <laughs> he busted. <laughs> Jake Johansson, secretly gay. Uh, yeah, and there was... A, and Carsey Blanton was with us. The great Carsey Blanton, who sings the theme song That's on my podcast. podcast. And at one point, Dan and Andrew and I went to the bathroom together... And we're all pissing. As you do. And I'm standing there between, like, two of the most famous gay intellectuals in America. And we all have our dicks in our hands. And I turned to them. I was like, do you guys realize how many men would, 
like pay their life savings to be where I am right now. <laughs> and it's all wasted on me. Here I am. Yeah. Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, he wrote a, he wrote a piece for, he writes a weekly column for the New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a piece on the Kevin Hart thing. And, you know, he was lamenting the, like, oh, there can't be any more gay jokes. And he was like, I love gay jokes. You know, I, I mean, but he also talked about how a very hurtful uh, joke that he heard when he was like eight years old that really, you know, he's never forgotten. So it can be hurtful, but it's also a way of venting our anxieties around things. So, you know, in black culture, there's a lot of anxiety around homosexuality. And if you can't vent it, I think that, you know, getting back to the the young men and all this stuff, if we're not venting stuff, it, it curdles into rage. Well, yeah, and the idea of, like, the difference between vocabulary and intent is a thing that I always right. like to think about because, yeah. okay, somebody used the vocabulary of someone who's homophobic, but, but did he have a homophobic intent? Is he, is he actually homophobic? Right. And the idea when you equate those two things, when you say, okay, look, if you use the vocabulary, you, you are homophobic. You know, the problem with that is that now you, now you, now you've made this group of homophobic people who are opposed to you, a gay person, so big, and you can't tell who are the really dangerous people and who are the not really dangerous people. It's like you can get on the list as a sex offender because you whipped your dick out and took a piss on the side of a building. Now right. you're a sex offender. So now I got a kid who I'm trying to keep safe in my neighborhood. There's a guy on the list two doors away. Like, does he really want to have sex with my kid? Or did he just take a piss when he was drunk? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you're, you're messing up. You're messing up something that is actually valuable. And that is like, who are the real people who are really homophobic? And how do we reach them and change their minds? Not how do we punish everybody who says the word fag? Yeah. Yeah. But well said. Are we pricking our fingers or are we fingering <laughs> our pricks? Yeah. Are you ready well, for lunch? Yeah, I was. I'm. Tr- I was just struggling to come up with some kind of a masturbation diabetes joke there, and I couldn't get to it. Wow! Because diabetes, you have to prick you have your to finger. Prick to your finger. Your that's test. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. Let us and know. You, don't, if you, get you there. definitely don't want to be trying to prick your finger while you're fingering your prick because if you get that if mixed you prick up your then prick. you prick your prick Ow. oh my you don't goodness. want to prick your prick that, yeah. that's bad news whether you're a fag or not <laughs> <laughs> alright on that note so we Jake and I live very glamorous lives here in Southern California we're going to go have lunch with Simon Rex aka Dirt Nasty and Mickey Avalon I don't know Mickey Avalon no you're going to meet him he's He's uh he's a cool guy. He's um he's a rocker. Long hair, tattoos, he's a rocker. You're going to look you're going to be like in the company of cool dudes here for a while. Yeah, or <laughs> or are they? <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that was fun. That yeah. was worthwhile. I'm going to just stop cuz I'm right. going to put my music and you'll stuff put your and you'll stuff. Do I'll your put thing. my stuff. I'll do my thing. We'll, we'll package it as we package these and, things. Uh, what did you call it? What do I call what? Simulcast? Simul... Uh, oh, co-release. Uh, co-release. Oh. <laughs> okay, Mom. Uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay. In our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. 
sex at dawn, civilized to death, vanthropology, tangentially speaking, paleo-modern, and talking out of my ass. (laughs) She didn't like saying that last one. (laughs) Well, I have the box marked thinking out of my ass instead of talking out of my ass. (laughs) Then we now have some new things added. We've got beer cozies or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death. They're all civilized to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. Anything else you want to say, Mom? They make wonderful Christmas presents. (laughs) There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground